We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Hey there. Because you're listening to this podcast, we at Blue Wire want you to know this. One, we freaking love you. And two, we want to learn more about you. Help us make more content you'll love by filling out a survey you can find in the description of this podcast. You'll help us out a ton, and you'll have a chance to win a Blue Wire t-shirt, hoodie, or a pair of AirPods. We appreciate you, hope you're staying safe, and want you to enjoy this podcast. Blue Wire. What's up, Nets fans? Welcome to the Brooklyn Buzz. I'm your host, Nick Faye. With me, as always, my guy, Jack Manuel, and two regular guests on the show, Nolan Jensen and Matt Brooks. Fellas, how we doing? We got a full house. I'm good. I'm good. Nolan, the last time we did this, were you on Nets Daily? Are we officially teammates? Oh, no. On a... There yeah, we go. This is, uh, uh-huh. this is our first, uh, this is the first uh, stream here podcast as teammates. Wow. <laughs> this is huge. Man, yeah, I'm, I'm good. Right. I'm right. Uh, I've been good this week. I had my first draft beer in probably about since February yesterday. It was it was good. I'm so sick of like canned and and contained everything. I was like, this is amazing. So I'm good. Seems like things are going a little bit back to normal. You know, same here. I got my health. I can't really complain. So you know, it's been a minute since we all got to sit down and talk Nets basketball. So I'm excited. I'm excited. What a world. What a world. <laughs> <laughs> and basketball is actually getting close, so that's awesome. As always, you can find the buzz on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, OTGBasketball.com, NetsRepublic.com, and Blue Wire Pods. And this episode is brought to you by BetOnline.ag. But, Jack, I'm going to pass it over to you. All right, lads, we've got a lot to get to. Let's kick off with the rookie sensation, Nicholas Claxton. And during the week, it was announced that he will not be returning to Orlando due to shoulder surgery. Uh, what are our thoughts on that, the timing of it? The, a lot of people were shocked at it. Uh, what did you guys think upon hearing uh, that Clax isn't going to be coming to the bubble? Um, I mean, just with Claxton, I it's a shame. Like, I, I really wasn't sure what they were going to do in terms of were they going to go the youth route that I think everybody's wanted them to do, or were they going to go more of the route of like, hey, let's see of the core guys, you know, Joe Harris, Jared Allen, Spencer Dinwiddie, Karis LeVert, Let's see which guys thrive. I think there could have been – they probably could have figured out a way to do both. 
Um, unfortunately, this makes that decision a little bit easier. Outside of Claxton, I don't really think there's a ton of guys that are sort of unproven and, and young that people are really excited to see play. I'm, my apologies to Musa and a couple other guys. But, uh, <laughs> but yeah, man, I mean, it's a shame. Like, I, I think that the off chance that he would get minutes was going to be a really exciting prospect. And now that's off the table. Yeah, I'm in the exact same boat as Matt was. Uh, I would have liked to see, you know, Nicholas Claxton in these eight regular season games and then eventually the playoffs if the Nets were to make the playoffs in all likelihood they were going to. So in that aspect, it does suck. But then again, like we weren't exactly sure if he was even going to see significant playing time or playing time whatsoever. Um, so I, it, it's hard to be... I won't say it's hard to be disappointed because obviously this this sucks. I guess the silver lining being that he will be completely healthy once the 2020-21 NBA season kicks off when it's really time to boogie for the Brooklyn Nets. But it's just another tidbit of unfortunate news that seems to have just absolutely plagued the 2019-2020 Brooklyn Nets. Yeah, I think as a fan, it definitely sucks. Like, you want to see Claxton there if he gets an opportunity to play. Like, obviously, going to the bubble, there's a chance somebody could get hurt or, you know, somebody test positive for COVID or something like that, knock on wood. But, like, there would be an opportunity possibly for him. But in the big picture, it's good he got the surgery taken care of because I believe he injured the shoulder in January against the Sixers. I don't right. know if you guys recall, he took, like, that big fall against Ben Simmons on, like, a foul. And I think right. it, like, yep. lingered on. So it's like... Okay, if it's something that was bothering him with his shoulder, I definitely would rather have him get it taken care of now. Yeah, I wonder if it was similar to the LaMarcus Aldridge thing where this was like decided months ago, but it's only just yeah. now been released to, to, to fans and the public. So either way, as long as Clax is healthy, like you lads said, for, for the next season, that's what's really important. You know, I did a little bit of a video breakdown of his. It was nice to sort of just look at his film and, and see the moments from his season. I'm sure that Nick and I, probably one of you two, or if not both, will we'll jump into a season review of his in the near future. But, you know, he showed plenty of flashes, and I think that that's what we want to see from rookies. You know, some mm -hmm. really nice moments from his just the energy that he provides i think he can be a piece for this team going forward you know i think that you know the the hype for him is certainly uh, quite pronounced on nets twitter i think it's somewhere <laughs> in the middle where i sort of stand i understand what he can provide this team and and the skill set that he does have uh, i'm not as you know i don't have as lofty as standards for him uh, maybe it is the isaiah hartenstein era in brooklyn who knows <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I will say, uh, let me just say, first off, thank you for doing the breakdown. I was looking at before we got on. Uh, I Some great clips. That one against the Cavs, it kind of gave me, it's funny because we're so far removed from all this. It yeah. was really nice that you put that together because I'm looking at this. I'm like, bro, what type of a shot blocker he is. Like, he is yeah. ferocious. I mean, Jared yes. Allen yep. is one of those guys. He'll block things. He'll occasionally, when he's feeling a little feisty, maybe he'll block it out of bounds. Claxton no. will just send it the other way right to a teammate. I, I, I miss, He's mean. I, yeah, he's mean, and I'm I'm definitely a little sad that we're not going to watch that. So thank you for putting that together. He oh, just cool. has, like, more of an edge than Jared Allen does. He just has, like, some of that, like, tenacity. Yeah, yeah, yep. yeah definitely. Uh, lads, let's get to some more Nets news, some more roster news. Uh, we'll focus on the Tyler Johnson side of things. Nick and I touched <laughs> on it a little bit. Uh, I'm sure that you guys will have plenty of thoughts to provide as well. Uh, so Tyler Johnson being added to this Brooklyn Nets team. Sean Marks finally gets his man. Uh, gets him on the cheap as well. Matt, Nolan, what do you guys think of TJ joining BK? Woo! <laughs> this, we've been waiting for this moment, me and Nolan. Uh, Nolan, oh, I'm, alley, I'm, I'm just going to alley-oop this to you. I want to just put oh, it right really? up there. Okay. You can slam this home. Yeah. All right. All right. First official oop as Nest Daily team is. Let's get it. <laughs> All right. So, like, obviously, it, it's it's kind of hard to be upset 
with, you know, Sean Marks taking a flyer on Tyler Johnson, especially when you're paying him the NBA equivalency of minimum wage. I mean, this was a guy in the summer of 2016 we offered four years, $50 million to. And like, hey, yeah. you know what? Thank God the heat match is all I can really say. <laughs> but I can't help but overanalyze situations. And I'm looking at Tyler Johnson as an undersized six foot three combo guard that's, you know, kind of been a below average shooter for the vast majority of his career and isn't exactly a fantastic playmaker. I mean, sure, I can give you he's been a good defender in Miami under Spolstra's heat. Um, it, I guess you could say that. I've heard that the selling point is that he's better than Theo Pinson. And, like, no offense to Theo Pinson, seemed like an, a, a swell guy, just a genuine joy to be around. The organization loved him. But so are, like, 447 other players in the NBA. So the whole <laughs> he's better than Theo Pinson, I mean, like, I would I would sure as hell hope so. I'm going to give him a legitimate opportunity, you know. Maybe he returns that Miami form. Maybe new scenery does him well. I mean, his defensive metrics were absolutely terrible, but he's also playing on the second unit of the Phoenix Sense. And offensively, man, he was, like, marginally better than Theo next year. Am I optimistic? I mean, no, not really, but it's it's a flyer. It is what it is. Matt, uh, you concur? Look, I mean, here's the thing. He's what, like, a, at best, we're hoping for, like, a 36 37% shooter. I don't feel like 36 37% really means as much as it used to. Um, no. And it would be one thing if it was, like, all right, well, this guy, he shoots, you know, around league average, but... He's a great defender. He's this ball mover, but he's neither of those things. He's He doesn't really move the ball that well. He's had a couple of injuries where he's really, I mean, you watch his, and of course, the first thing that people do when they see, oh, we, you know, Tyler Johnson's on the nets. All these highlights of him in Miami are flying around where he's like noticeably springier, which is fine. I mean, there's nothing wrong with being excited about that. Maybe he gets there. The guy has not been a plus in player impact plus minus, which is uh, my new advanced stat that I've been using the last go. couple of days. Yeah, there you go. go. He's been a he's been a minus in that because I can't stand uh, real plus minus anymore. But um, yeah, man, like it's just I don't know what else he does other than shoot the ball maybe at league average and not really move the ball and and he's just undersized. I don't know. He was a lot more intriguing a couple of years ago, but then again, everybody I feel like literally everybody is intriguing in Miami and playing under Spo. True. And I think anytime anyone's like 24, 25, and they're like, oh, wow, maybe they can get even better, then he obviously went the opposite direction. But what do you guys think is like best case scenario for Tyler Johnson? Obviously, you guys gave the negative perspective. What would you say was the best case scenario if things were to work out in Brooklyn and maybe he's on next year's team as like a 14th or 15th man? Uh, so, like, I guess like 3 and D um, Garrett Temple type, I guess. I don't know, like a smaller <laughs> Garrett Temple <laughs> and shoots a little bit better from three. I guess. So I <laughs> can I can I answer that question by asking another question? Is that is that Ooh, fair? Is that okay? Do it. What exactly does Tyler Johnson mean for Chris Chioza? Do you guys think? Uh, yeah, I, rem I remember sort of putting out you know who the rankings of the of Chioza um, to TLC and and Tyler Johnson and, and uh, the overwhelming majority was with Chioza just because I think he has the skill set that matters most to the Brooklyn Nets in terms of just being a facilitator in the pick and roll, a facilitator for his own offense, a guy that it's a nice passer, has a really slick handle. You know, things that Tyler Johnson can do at an average level, Chris Chioza can do at an above average level. And I think that Tyler Johnson doesn't have any areas of, of expertise that you guys sort of alluded to other than shooting pretty well from the field. Um, I think his activity um, is something that I think is okay on the defensive end out of those sort of three 
Maybe I'd take Tyler Johnson just as sort of like his low center of gravity, his quick feet, lateral sort of quickness, that sort of thing. You know, looking at some of his video from this season, uh, his best game was against the Brooklyn Nets as well. So maybe uh, there's a little bit of bias there. I don't think that any... We're, we're picking at straws here, analyzing the value of the you know the 12th to 15th men on the rosters or 15th to 17th right. if we're going to Orlando now. But in, in that sort of sense, I think Chioza is going to have some value because, you know, Spencer Dewey and Karis Avert aren't going to be able to do everything. I think Chioza is going to get some time. Tyler Johnson may get some time as well as a, a sort of foe too. I don't think mm-hmm. he can run an offense. I think he can be uh, a capable enough second or third guy in there, maybe set place of three-guard lineups with Spencer, him, and Karras. I think that's where he can be effective. Uh, but I, I think that in terms of everything, like I sort of mentioned on the last one uh, with Nick, there isn't a lot of great things that he does, whereas at least you can say of Chioza, he's got a nice handle, he runs the game well, and he's 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 got a little bit of quickness about him as well. Super fast. Yeah. Yeah. Lightning I agree with quick. pretty much everything Jack said. I don't think it really impacts Chris Chioza, just given that he's actually a point guard, and I don't think Tyler Johnson's ever been like a true point guard. He's always been that combo. Yeah. And I don't, I don't think you feel really confident with his playmaking ability and running an offense. I think like best case or like where I would see Tyler Johnson just like if he were to be on the team next year or this year or whatever it is he's just like a 15th or 16th or 17th guy like Jack said and he just has the ability to play two roles and do things at maybe an average level where you can just kind of plug him if if you need to I don't think he's anybody you really want to count on in the rotation and that's exactly where I think his upside is if you want to call it that (laughs) Um, I mean yeah I, I I don't really know what else to say I mean, developing into a like a role player like off the bench as like a 15, 16, 17 guy, like you can stay in the NBA and do your thing. I don't think it's like the worst thing. It's better than not being no. in the league. Yeah, I guess in we'll we'll end it with this. I guess with the, with the Tyler Johnson talk. Out of out of Tyler Johnson, I put this poll up. Um, Nick and I spoke about it. Nolan and Matt, one word, two word answer: Shumpert or Johnson? Who would have added more value to this Nets team in Orlando? Uh, <laughs> oh, man, I don't know. That's a good I, one. That's actually good. Boy, in Orlando, I guess Tyler Johnson because of age. Yeah. That's yeah. it. That's, that was essentially what I said as well. Can yeah. I add one thing? I wish they'd gone after a big man. I, I feel like their whole big man rotation is kind of, you know, and I know Claxton may be able to get there. That's what I would have chased to see if there's like a stretchy guy. Exactly. He doesn't even need to be a good defender, but I just, it, exactly. it feels like. Bring back Zella. <laughs> he already got Zella? signed by the Spurs. He already got, he already, yeah. He's gone. He's gone. It happened somewhere. No, I was joking. I knew that happened. <laughs> That's exactly what I was thinking, too. I'm like, you know, and in terms of uh, things I believe that the Nets needed, that, you know, proverbial totem pole, I'm like, undersized combo guard wasn't exactly one of them. I kind of... Plenty of guards. <laughs> yeah, I know. I'm like, this... Uh, it's kind of a weirdly crowded backcourt for the second unit with like a Garrett Temple and Tyler Johnson actually does a lot of the things Garrett Temple does offensively, obviously with uh, more athleticism, but Garrett Temple is that smart, savvy veteran. And then he got him with Chris Chioza. It's, it's kind of a gray area for me. Um, I was looking at potential flyers, uh, someone that we could bring in and I'll see if I get you guys' opinion on it. Jordan Bell stood out to me. Yeah. Mm. I've been a fan of Jordan oh, Bell, and I felt like last year yeah. also you, not having a third big hurt the Nets in the playoffs. Not that it's a guarantee they'll be there again, but when Ed Davis went down, they had nobody to go to, and that would be essentially the same thing that would happen if like DeAndre or Jared Allen sprained their ankle. They'd essentially have one center on the roster. So I think it would be pretty smart to grab at least a guy who can play power forward and center. Right. 
Yep. I mean, at the end of the day, we, as podcasters and NBA and, and lovers, Nets lovers, we, we are certainly analyzing the things that probably aren't going to make that much of an impact in the long run. <laughs> it's probably, it's, you know, an eight game sample size, hopefully more. Uh, the schedule has been released. I'll, I'll have a look at that while I uh, get you guys to chat about the next one. There is no shortage of action going on our exclusive partner, BetOnline.ag. Sports are slowly making their way back, and BetOnline is leading the way with the best odds and lines for all UFC, NASCAR, boxing, and soccer matches. And if you need even more, they have simulated NFL, NBA, and UFC simulations all day, every day, live on their website. Looking for something else other than sports? BetOnline has hundreds of casino games, poker tournaments, and prop bets to check out. Visit betonline.ag and use promo code BLUEWIRE for a free welcome bonus. That's one word, BLUEWIRE. BetOnline, your online wagering experts. So, Thea Pinson, Alonzo Troya is the the new Aaron Gordon, Jabari Parker chatted Nets Twitter. <laughs> so, uh, let's get around it, lads. Thea Pinson or Iso Zoe, uh, we all know uh, the, the alum Nets Daily did throw it out there that uh, Alonzo Trier was the first NBA player to visit Kevin Durant after he had that Achilles surgery. I uh, was also seen in some Instagram photos playing video games with KD uh, when they were in uh, South California together. Uh, the Nets going uh, after Alonzo Trier uh, in the 2020-2021 season. I mean, you know what? Let's just add another, you know, n- not <laughs> undersized two guard. I love uh, it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, sure, if they want to. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I just like I mean I the thing that's funny about uh Trier is that I actually like him a little bit better than Tyler Johnson just because I know he has one defined skill his issue is he doesn't have any other skill other than being able to get his own shot but I I don't know like I kind of wish they'd waited till all this I I genuinely think I would have been a little bit more excited about Trier I'm not even like the biggest tri- you know Trier guy by any means but I, I mean I don't know it's I think it would be it, that one, I mean, I'll probably be the same guy making all the arguments that people are making for Tyler Johnson, where I'd be like, oh, well, it's an upgrade over Pinson. But <laughs> I don't know. I I, I would so, like them to, to at least do due diligence and look at him. So it, it's kind of weird, right? Because us waving Theo Pinson made room for Tyler Johnson. And then the Knicks waving Alonzo Trier made room for Theo Pinson. So we kind of had my thing is if i could pick one or the other i would pick alonzo Trier. do i want both no like i i, I didn't think we needed an undersized comma guard to begin with now i definitely don't think we need two i put out a tweet uh i know it's not a perfect uh tool for calibration but alonzo <laughs> Trier's per 36 19 and three and a half assists 48 35 79 splits tj 12 and three and a half again just like uh just like Alonzo Trier, but he had less turnovers on 38, 29, 75 splits. So if I had a choice in a perfect world and it is next to impossible, I would have picked Alonzo Trier, not just because he's friends with Kevin Durant. I do like having an additional shot creator on that second unit, but that's not going to happen. We, we we got Tyler Johnson, and I'm out. I know I've kind of right. been on him. Yeah, all, all podcasts thus far, but, you know, maybe he proves me wrong, and I, I, w- I would love that. I'd be the first one to admit, hey, you know what? I was wrong about Tyler Johnson. Matt Brooks was as well. What did uh, you do? <laughs> let me, I, you know, I just thought of this. This is, I think if <laughs> the point that the Nets signed Tyler Johnson over Katie's friend Alonzo T- uh, Trier proves that Sean Mark still has control of this team. That's the one. I got to tag like Brooklyn's beat or somebody like that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I mean, like, 
Yeah, I guess in defending like Sean Marks, I mean, Alonso Trier is definitely, I think, a, has more potential and obviously a higher cap. But I think like if you're looking at, hey, who has a chance to fit on next year's team better? I would say Tyler Johnson is more of like a complimentary piece. And you look at Alonzo Trier, it was like a lot of iso ball in his rookie year in that second unit in scoring. And it's like, yo, this guy's not going to take the ball out of uh, Kyrie's, KD's, Karras's or Spencer's hands if he's on the team. So it's like I kind of understand why he wouldn't be a great fit. I don't think he's a bad player. I like I'm was surprised the Knicks didn't play him a lot this season because he had a really nice rookie season. Yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, Tyler Johnson's maybe a slightly better defender. Alonzo Trier doesn't play defense at all. He's essentially just Jamal Crawford as a 22-year-old or however old he is. <laughs> uh, but, lads, the, the schedule has just dropped. And via Alex Schiffer of The Athletic, um, we essentially just have day games, um, which is kind of works well for the podcast schedule, if you right. ask me. It means I can, we can wake up, Nick and I, and do some game recaps. Uh, it's Orlando at a 2.30 game. Uh, on July 31st, Washington, a 2 p.m. Gay, 2 p.m. game on Sunday, August the sec- Sunday, August the second. Tuesday, uh, the fourth, we got Milwaukee at 1:30 p.m. Wednesday, there's a 9 p.m. game, one of the, the, the two, one of the two night games uh, against Boston the next day. So that's a back-to-back. That'll be a pretty tricky game. Uh, Sacramento, a couple back. <laughs> really <laughs> tough back to back. I don't think the Nets win either of those games. Um, I don't know what Boston's schedule is, so uh, I'll have to look that up as well. I'm sure we will get to that on, on another buzz going forward. But Sacramento is next. Uh, that is the fifth game. Uh, they are at 5 p.m. on the seventh, so a couple of days break. Two day break as well uh, between the Los Angeles Clippers game, which is another night game. Uh, at 9 p.m. Eastern time, Israel Eastern times, mind you. So those are one of the two night games, Boston and the Clippers. So I'm assuming those will probably be on, on some form of national TV, TNT or ESPN. And then the second last game is Orlando on the 11th of August at 1 p.m. And then the final game uh, is Portland. Uh, that game has not been given a time yet. I think all those final games haven't been for all teams uh, just for scheduling purposes. But, you know, not, not really much to sort of take from the schedule. Just wanted to, to let our listeners know, let you guys know, and just sort of talk to and see what see what you guys sort of think just off the bat. Apart, I think the, the main takeaway from this is that Milwaukee-Boston uh, back-to-back is... Uh, that's that's tough. tough. That's tough. I was going to... You know what? I actually... I'm going to counter that. I, I Yes, I think it is tough to a degree, but I, I wonder if it'll be, like, slightly easier without the travel aspect of it. And so, the time difference, like you one thirty game, and then the next day is nine p.m. There's yeah. at least like a bigger so gap. You have time to rest. I, I, it's, it's not ideal, obviously, but I would be interested to see if, like, because people just usually will mark that stuff off as like a total loss. But yeah, but the travel aspect is nice. You don't have to try to sleep on a plane. Some guys can do that. Some guys can't. There, uh, that's like a big talking point, I think, amongst NBA players, and a skill that I think many guys want to have. But I, I mean, overall, I, I, I'm assuming they're getting a lot of these earlier games because it's they're saving those primetime games for p- teams that are, are presumptively going to go a little farther. Yeah, well, and yeah, I mean, everything's that's... East Coast, so they can't really have guys yeah. like yeah. playing games at midnight. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, very true, very true. Um, yeah, I don't know. This is cool. I mean, I, I think it's official that I'm going to be a, a full-time streamer because I don't know what I'm going to write with all these day games. <laughs> but otherwise, yeah, I think it's... it's uh, it looks like an easy enough schedule for the most part. Yeah, it is. Well, yeah, I, I feel think... like one thing that sticks out is like Washington in the second game. Like if the Nets beat Washington in that game, they pretty much dictate that they'll make the playoffs because they'll have a seven-game right. lead. And like Washington's schedule is really tough. Obviously, Bertans is already out too. So like if they win that game, I think we'd feel a lot more comfortable with like saying, hey, the Nets are going to be in the playoffs and they probably don't even have to deal with a playing game. So, yeah, essentially we only have to win two out of the, two of these eight games and five of the 
eight opponents we're going to be facing are below 500. So yeah. I think it's it's essentially a given that we're going to be in the playoffs, which means no lottery pick. You know, oh, well, what can you do? Yeah, I mean, we debated that on, on a previous buzz. I think that the the fate is in, in Nets, their own hands. You know, those Orlando games, you know, the, the first two games especially, you know, the Orlando-Washington game. You win both of those, you know, you, you've essentially controlled your own destiny in that final Orlando game uh, on August 11 as well. But I'm sure we'll delve into this deeper as a cohort individually on the buzz on our own Twitters. But now let's move to some more roster news uh, from a departing player, David Nawaba, oh. uh, big we are all Nawaba stands on this current episode uh, has been signed by Houston. Nick and I gave our thoughts. Nolan and Matt, what do you guys think about Houston snagging uh, Mr. Nawaba? Love it. Uh, I actually almost like that fit a little bit better than than in Brooklyn. I I was a little skeptical. I think that Brooklyn's timeline is so aggressive in a way. Mm. Uh, Houston, I don't know. I, I I guess they're competing in the next two years. You probably want to take you know total advantage of it when Russell Westbrook still you know, presumptively in his prime for the next couple of years or on the tail end of that. But no, I, I really like it. I mean, he's going to fit really, really well into what they're building. I can just, I can already picture him playing next to PJ Tucker and, uh, and Robert Covington. It's a, it's definitely a cool fit for him. I think he'll do well. You just get easy corner threes next to James Harden and, and Russell Westbrook. Yep. Both of those guys just penetrate and kick. So I think it's a great fit for him, and uh, I'm happy for him. I'm happy he's on a roster, and I can't wait to watch him. I'm happy for him, but at the same time, dude, I am so upset that we're not going to be able to see David Wobble in a Brooklyn Nets uniform next season. I mean, those, what was it, four or five weeks at the end of November to about halfway through December. Yeah, he went down December 19th in a meaningless game against the Spurs in San Antonio, which was just epitomized what this Brooklyn Nets season was. It, it's he was he was so great. I was looking at some stats to try to really emphasize how much impact David Nwaba had to winning on this current Brooklyn Nets team. And I'm looking at net ratings, right? And David Nwaba's uh, most minutes played with a five-man unit was with where is it? DeAndre Jordan, Garrett Temple, and Mohan Shumpert and Theo Pinson. And he still Ooh. had a net rating of plus twelve. If that oh, doesn't what a if dude. that doesn't, I know if that doesn't define like what he was for this Brooklyn Nets team, I don't know what else will. I'm gonna miss him. I wish him the absolute best in Houston, as Matt alluded to. He's gonna get a lot of three point shots. He shot, you know, 40 percent from beyond the perimeter this season. I'm not sure if that's sustainable. It was on a low no, volume, not. and yeah, well, I'm just trying to be positive. You know? I'm, I mean, trying to, I'm, I'm trying to hype up Nawaba. But like we watch, you watch the shot, and it, it, it's it's not pretty. It's like Jaron Jackson trying to take it all. <laughs> Sean Marion. Yeah, it goes just... in, it goes in. That's it at the end of the day. Um, I, I'm a little worried. I was always a little worried about the injury. If, yep. if I'm being honest, I, I wrote something up on him, and it wasn't totally. It was positive in that I want him to do well, but um, I don't know if he's gonna have like a Wesley Matthews type of resurgence where it takes him a couple of years to get his footing under him. I, I do think Houston is the right place to do that in a lot of ways um you know you look at what they did with Macklemore this year I mean maybe that's what they can do with him this this next I guess next upcoming season yeah I agree I think like it, the Nets need to be aggressive and they can't take the risk on that roster yes. spot for next season they need somebody they know can contribute and just yes. like with the Achilles and the way Nawaba plays is just like so high energy you definitely are just kind of a little nervous about that perfectly said yeah, absolutely. Uh, we'll get to, you know what, 
Nolan's on the pod. Let's get to Justin Anderson updates. Yeah, let's go. <laughs> <laughs> Ian Begley of SNY uh, reported that several teams heading to Orlando for the NBA's restart have expressed strong interest in signing uh, Nolan Jensen's man, Mr. Justin Anderson, the pinned tweet of the century. Uh, I guess that they say they highly value his defense. Uh, Nolan, um, we've only got about 10, 15 minutes left. So uh, in a succinct manner, how does this news make you feel? I don't know if I can handle emotionally losing David Nwaba and Justin Anderson in the same season. That's that's the best way I know of putting it. Oh, well. I don't have any words for Justin Anderson. No words for Justin Anderson today. I just hope that... I hope that, yeah, for, for Nolan's sake, we see him wearing an NBA uniform so uh, Nolan can join uh, the beat of whatever other team uh, happens to be reporting on Justin Anderson and we'll get some side gigs and some, some stuff Look from Nolan to it. In, in that content-wise. Nets Daily, watch out. He's going to be joining some other SB Nation pages, that's for sure. Uh, but uh, KD had a, a few thoughts on, on the Orlando situation, guys, and I'll pick out a couple of quotes. Uh, this is via Netsdaily and, and some other websites. I feel me right now probably wouldn't have played because of the unknowns. Going into that situation looks crazy right now, seeing so many new cases. It's just so un- unpredictable. It's easy for me to say right now because I'm injured, I probably wouldn't uh, have been down there. I would have chilled. I would have talked to my teammates and consulted with guys and actually really went over it for the last month and a half, but me... My gut would have told me, nah, I probably wouldn't want to go out there, especially after three months off. Uh, Matt, what did you think of KD's comments uh, in relation to returning? I know some people uh, looked at the specific style of your comment about the injury. Uh, <clears throat> Alec. Alec. Um, <laughs> but in general, what were your thoughts on uh, Kevin Durant's comments in relation to a hypothetical return to the bubble if he was healthy? Uh, yeah, shout out to all of Nets Twitter for making every quote a, uh, a literature study. I, it's my favorite. We're, we analyze, you know, three word parts of sentences. No, I mean, look, man, I, I'll be honest. Like, he knows his body better than just about anybody. He knows when he should play, when he shouldn't play. His reasoning is all fine by me. I'm not going to tell him what he should do and what he shouldn't do. I'll say I wish he'd played, though. Like, I mean, yeah. I don't think I, there's anything wrong with saying that. It would have been nice to see him play. Uh, I don't know how deep the Nets really would have gone, regardless of him and Kyrie being there. It's just, it's a lot. It's, I mean, and maybe that's why they didn't want to play, is that there would be these big expectations, and they've just barely played with any of these guys. Um, but no, I mean, it would have been nice to see him play. It's, I assume that he's healthy. It sounds like from the uh, from some of the things that other teammates have said, he's been practicing with them for like five months. So, I, I mean, the biggest thing I guess I could say through all of this is that I'm assuming that having this whole quarantine thing I don't know if it interrupted his rehab per se, but it may have interrupted his strength and conditioning and sort of acclimating back and ramping up to getting ready to play. So that would be my assumption. But I wish he'd played. would have been cool. Yeah, I was thinking that's the exact same thing Matt just said. I'm like, really, who the hell am I <clears throat> to criticize someone that suffered one of the worst injuries a basketball player can in- sustain? or endure, as you say, and someone that contracted this novel disease. You know, it's if he wants to take these next few months off, hey, like, so be it. I'm not going to whatsoever criticize him for doing so. He knows his body best. I mean, at the end of the day, even with the roster as is, you know, nobody's really acclimated with each other. We could have done some damage 
it's kind of far-fetched to think that we would have went all the way, kind of a la 1999, eight-seeded New York Knicks. But, <laughs> you know, as, as, as with everything that we've kind of discussed this season, I'm just looking forward to next year. That's when it's go time. That's when everything is on the line. All cards are going to be on the table. Until now, you know, I wish we could just simulate it, but hey. Yeah, yeah simulate 2020. <laughs> um, no kidding. <laughs> oh, yeah. But uh, you guys pretty much nailed it. I mean, it's Katie's decision. I'm not going to be upset about his decision not to go or play or whatever it is. He wants to be 100% healthy. And let, let's be honest, like the bubble doesn't seem like it's going to be super fun. So, no. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, two more things, guys. Uh, we can just touch on this one a little bit. I think that it would be remiss of us not to touch on Vince Carter and his retirement being such a, a Nets legend. Uh, put succinctly, I think I believe a poll was done on Nets Daily and 83% uh, agreed uh, that the Nets should retire Vince Carter's number. Uh, are you with it, with that 83%, Nolan, Matt, Nick? 100%. Bang. Yeah, I'm with it. I, I think I'm with it. Um, you know, I, I, you, you want to have guys that are I, I kind of, I actually, I'll, I'll be honest. I went back and forth a little bit, like with what that, what, what I really, you know, I wanted to be concise about this. There, they didn't achieve a ton when he was around, so I think that would be the detriment. He's only there for what four and a half years, but at the same time, I do think that jersey retirements a little bit, depending upon where you are, uh, for the Nets that really haven't won a ton, it's going to be a little bit more about the sentimental value of it. So that's ultimately what I came around on. But I do think it's worth having a discussion about. So, yeah, I also kind of had a debate with myself on if the Nets should retire his jersey. Um, statist- I mean, yeah, statistically speaking, eh, it's a little 50-50. But I was looking at Vince Carter and his impact and his influence on the New Jersey Nets, the new generation of fans that probably came once he uh, arrived December of 2004. It's obviously not to the same extent as his influence in Toronto. I mean, I can honestly say as a Canadian basketball fan that Vince Carter – for Canadian basketball is what Wayne Gretzky was for American basketball. I'm probably not writing about the Brooklyn Nets or, you know, really watching his basketball as intently as I do, if not for Vince Carter. So I think that has to be taken into account. The whole like Vince sanity factor, half man, half amazing, the man, the myth, the legend, everything that he was. And, you know, for, was it four, four and a half seasons in, in New Jersey, he was nothing short of electric. You know, maybe they didn't accomplish as much as fans would have liked them to. I uh, also didn't really have too many great pigs at the time. Kmart left before Vince Carter showed up. So it's kind of, it's, it, it's not exactly unfair, but it's, it's, it's also not exactly completely fair to, um, put a stain kind of on Vince Carter's legacy because he didn't achieve much in New Jersey. But all in all, to answer your question, yeah, I think they should. I think due to the lack of great players in Nets history, like this is a guy who was really right. good for the Nets, especially during those first couple seasons. Like he was probably still a top 10 player. I was really young at the time, so I'm not going to make like a, a full out pitch on it. But like, I feel like the impact that he had to, like you guys mentioned, you know, Kmart had just left the team, Kerry Kittles, like they had just gone to the finals and the team was kind of like down. And then it's like, okay, we're going to pull in VC out of nowhere. Because like, if you guys remember the trade package, it wasn't anything crazy. I think it was Sucked. like a first round pick and a whole bunch of salary filler and Alonzo Mourning, who was injured at the time time and ended up being a whole deal with him but like I, I would retire Vince's jersey just for the impact he had during that stretch and like making the Nets relevant and having that great backcourt between Jay Kidd and him yeah I, I think I echo the sentiments that you guys had I think impact 
um, is just as important as success. And I think the impact that he had on the franchise in general uh, was immense. Uh, and, and few uh, Brooklyn Nets, New Jersey Nets in the history of the franchise have uh, in the way that Vince Carter has. And you know, I think a lot of people were lucky enough to sort of be it. I know, I think Nick and I were at the Atlanta Hawks game. Yep. Um, or I, and we were able to sort of see his final game, which is a, a memory that I'm going to forever treasure. And it was a really sort of special moment. Um, also getting to see uh, Rodriguez Kuros piss him off uh, last year as well was, was kind of fun as well. Uh, but in saying that, well, with something that I've wanted to touch on with Matt for a while and just you guys in general because I know that you guys share the same sentiments in terms of uh, the injustices and, and the oppression uh, that African-American people and uh, in, in America and Indigenous people in Australia have been suffering for hundreds of years and, and Nick wrote, uh, not Nick, Matt wrote a an incredible piece. One of the, the best pieces of writing I've I've read from uh, not just a basketball writer, but from a writer in general about his personal experiences uh, protesting and uh, relating it to a sort of basketball aspect with Kyrie Irving. And, and Matt, I just wanted to sort of you to touch on that a little bit for, for people that haven't got the chance to read it and just how how you were drawn to the issue, how why it matters for, for guys like us, you know, four white guys, one from Australia, one from Canada, another two from, from America uh, in, in New York. So why is this issue so important to not just uh, African-American people and, and Indigenous people in Australia and, and America, but everyone in general? Um, well, first off, thank you for the kind words on that. I appreciate that um, on the article itself. Uh, I mean, look, man, like we cover a sport that is predominantly African-American. And because of that, I think that and, and I mean, just even where I live, I live in, in a, a part of Brooklyn Bushwick, which is it's a mix of all types of people. It's very multicultural. So because of and again, I, I feel very lucky to even have the experiences that I had the last couple of weeks. I saw a lot. I saw how things are and how things definitely aren't. Um, and I don't know. I, I think that it's really important to understand that there are you know, just it's understand to, it's really important to be a listener. I, yeah. And that's the thing that I, I learned the most is listen and understand. And as a reporter now, I think it's going to completely change how I do this job. You know, I've been in this doing film stuff essentially the whole time. And I would imagine a good portion of my content is going to change from that. Um, and I, I think it's something that we need to think about a little bit more. Like these guys are from communities that have that they deal with systemic oppression. They deal with uh, police brutality. They they know people that deal with that type of a thing. Um, I I think it's really important to keep that in mind. I think it's important if you're going to do this job to try to make that a valuable part of this because you know it damn well that it's 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 valuable to these guys and they get out there. So um, I just I salute everybody that has been out there and um, that's been protesting. And I salute the guys in the NBA that have done what they can to help their communities. And I'm really excited to, A, just, again, just see this stuff firsthand. I, I feel very lucky to be able to, to, to even say that. Um, and B, just, I'm, I don't know, I, I feel very hopeful from all of this, which is weird because it, it didn't feel that way. It, could, it really did take me a couple of weeks to kind of process and understand everything that I saw. But now I, I definitely feel like I'm going to do a better job at this whole sports thing and to just yeah. under do a better job at being a part of Brooklyn in general. Yep. It's something I wanted to end with because I think it is the most pertinent issue in, in the world yep. right now with COVID. Yes. Uh, it, it matters more than anything. It matters yep. more than uh, the Tyler Johnson signing and the Justin Anderson news. Uh, I, I wanted to touch on some real stuff and for, for everyone out there, I keep fighting and, and, and sometimes it, it can be overwhelming um, and, you know, this is coming from, you know, a guy who's thousands of kilometers away and probably doesn't understand a lot. But 
you know, do, do what you can, you know, try and be, be active. You know, if it means donating a couple of dollars, do it. If it means retweeting some petitions, do it. If it means signing those petitions, do it. If it means protesting, if you feel safe and you have the means to do so, do it. Just keep trying, keep fighting because uh, th there's change that's happening and it's not going to happen without loud voices from everyone. And uh, I'm glad to say that we've got four loud voices here and we're going to continue to stay loud and, and hopefully... You know, with whatever platform we have, be it on social media or beyond that, uh, we continue to be part of the good fight. 100%. Just kind of find your way to have a positive impact and help the movement any way you can. Obviously, Matt's done a great job in setting an example for all of us. But, guys, always appreciate you hopping on. Jack, always fun talking Nets with you. And, obviously, you can find us on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, OTGBasketball.com, NetsRepublic.com, and Blue Wire Pods. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime. I'm Mark Chapman. Welcome to the Planet Premier League podcast. Each week, Cesc Fabregas, Nader Manua and myself talk all things Premier League. As a player, you don't have time to talk. No. You don't have time to make a plan. You just need to deal with wave after wave after wave. We watched Coach Carter and he said, oh, afterwards, the game's just about doing this for your teammates. And I remember looking around halfway through the film and half the squad was asleep. <laughs> Planet Premier League. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.